cannot disappear. He hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees, he's 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 Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Bill Just Bill. a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Yes, welcome again to the Magic Sponge Podcast, the miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. My name is Brian Sini. Most of you know me as the guy behind the NRL Physio social media pages. Look, my fellow NRL Nuffy physio co-host James, we're back. World Cup is done. Australia are victorious, as I'm sure many people predicted. A few injuries here and there, but we'll go through that in a second. Do you enjoy the cup? I did. I really enjoyed the international footy, Brian. I think it creates a few interesting conversations around what's going to happen in terms of eligibility for, I guess, players from the, the different tiered nations and how they're going to do that moving forward. But probably the highlight for me, I really, really enjoyed watching the combo of Latrell and Josh Adokar down that left side oh, yeah. for the Kangaroos. I just thought that is a bit terrifying as a Queensland fan if they oh, line God, up in Sky Blue next year, year, if they actually get a jumper. Thank God they didn't play this year. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, mate. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think the, look, you know, the, the hardest thing is, is we all sat here, you know, three, four years ago when Tonga, like, beat Australia and was doing so well and we sat around and we're like, oh, you know, this, this momentum can't be wasted. We can't let this fall by the wayside. And then we've played no test footy in, like, the last three or four years. So I really, yeah. truly hope that it changes because... Yeah, seeing what Samoa did, Fiji, you know, even, look, I know teams got wiped by 60 points and all that kind of stuff, and I get it, but, yeah, look, there's there's only one way you're going to get these teams good, I think, for, you know, all the criticism we have of Union. Um, a really good point was Japan's sort of progress. Uh, you know, I think it was someone put up a thing, Japan got rolled by about 130 in a World Cup um, for Rugby Union about 15, 20 years ago, and now they're, you know, uber competitive and doing really well. So I think, you know, we've got likes of France, they're getting teams in the Super League and those kind of things. And, yeah, I think it's exciting times in international footy and I just hope we can grow up because I reckon rugby union's dying. So hopefully Lee can take over from where, where it's dying. Couldn't agree more, Brian. I think I'd, I'd love to see a bit more international football and maybe less than 27 rounds of NRL, yeah, just quietly. I think agree. a 27-round season next season is going to be a bit of a punish, isn't it, at some points in the year. There's probably going to be a fair bit of average footy in a few of those games per week. We're just talking off-air about the cricket and how, you know, too much too much of something, you know, it makes the games not matter as much. And, you know, NFL is the perfect example, you know, nice. Although, like, the NBA sort of works in the other direction, but I think making games matter. Um, you know, makes it really important. So I completely agree, mate. But look, let's get on to the injuries. So look, everyone, as always, this is your place for all things injury analysis in the NRL and Rugby League. Look, we'll talk today about the big injury and rehab news from those guys in the casualty ward, a few of the injuries from the World Cup. Uh, Look, not too much pumping out at the moment over on Patreon, but if you do find that you like what we're putting out there, leading into next season, there will be heaps of stuff on there, heaps of content heading into the season to give you guys the best, you know, access to information to pick your teams, to draft your sides, to make your tips, 
bets, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you won't get it anywhere else. This is where you will get your injury information in regards to the NRL. Uh, but otherwise, James, let's get stuck into the off-season and Rugby League World Cup injury wrap-up. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. Well, he shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. World Cup and the 2023 preseason is what we're going to run through today, Brian. We're going to go team by team and probably talk today more about new updates for people that are in the casualty ward who we either have or haven't discussed from previous times, but I think we'll try and keep it fresh from the previous podcast we released a few weeks back. So first and foremost, we'll talk about the Broncos. So Blake Moses had shoulder surgery there. Is there anything you wanted to update about him in particular, Brian? Yeah, so he was in um, – we, we... – could have talked about him last time, but I was just chasing up a few details on what happened with him. So he was actually in hospital the same day Xavier Willison got his shoulder surgery as well. So I think it is a shoulder reconstruction for Moza. I know there's a, a lot of um, Broncos fans who are really high on him. I think, you know, uh, the classic next Cameron Smith stuff I was reading the other day about him. So he's pretty highly touted. Uh, it shouldn't affect him too much heading into next season. Uh, you know, he is a hooker and he's young, so the Broncos will probably take it fairly cautiously with him so I'd be surprised if he's you know say the starting nine from the get-go but uh yeah look nothing you know too crazy consider it to consider there yeah sure thing any other players from last time you want an update on as well with the Bronx yeah I think Paddy Carrigan he'll um you know now that the World Cup's done he's probably heading for an ankle clean out now so he will have his feet up and uh, won't get back into training sort of till probably January mid-January next season no sorry next year yeah, good call. Next team on the agenda there, Brian, is the Raiders. Corey Horsburgh had shoulder surgery, and also Adrian Trevelyan had an ACL and shoulder reco is what we've got listed down here. Do you want to give us some details around those two, gents? Oh, man, yeah, Trevelyan. He's apparently, once again, a pretty highly touted uh, hooker. That was why there were talks that they um, they let, uh, let Hodgson go and then mm. these kind of things because they had him sort of coming through. Uh, but yeah, ACL late in the season and was already playing through a shoulder injury that needed a reco postseason. So that's rough. That, that you know, obviously the ACL will be the thing that'll keep him out the longest. So he's had both of those reconstructed, the ACL and the shoulder. He won't be back till mid next season, I would say. Um, the the shoulder reco won't affect the ACL rehab all that much. Uh, pretend like you know they would have structured it so he didn't need to still be on like crutches or anything for his ACL so he can still do plenty of stuff um, with the rehab so it won't knock him back too much and then Corey Horsburgh uh, the shoulder surgery I assume another reconstruction they did say minor but I always take that with a grain of salt with NRL clubs uh, Horsburgh has had past shoulder reconstruction surgery so whether that it was just a clean up of that maybe some scar tissue build up and that kind of thing but once again nothing to consider there and uh, yeah the other guys Harley Smith Shields and Jared Croker in the in the casualty ward nothing much to update there one wrong uh, sorry Bulldogs are next Declan Casey had a shoulder reconstruction there as a new one so not too many in the casualty ward for the Bulldogs what about Casey in terms of his expected return to play yeah, so another one. I think we're going to talk about a lot of these shoulder recos. Uh, a lot of guys popping up. Casey played through some stuff at the end of last season, uh, but once again, got um, the Bron- the Bulldogs were out early enough that he could go in early and get that uh, fixed up. So he should uh, should be good to go come early next season. New injury concerns for the Sharkies there with Ronaldo Militalo having an 
MCL injury, Brian, and also Braden Hamlin Newelli had a calf concern there. Probably not expecting them to miss much for the season next year, are we, really, with those type of injuries? Yeah, it was actually, I, I didn't mention it at the top, it was actually a relatively quiet Rugby League World Cup for injury-wise, particularly significant injury-wise. I was quite nervous. I think we spoke about it, sort of how that would play out and, you know, if there were any significant injuries, how that would affect NRL clubs moving into early next year. But, you know, these were probably two of the more significant ones NRL-wise. Uh, Mulatalo, it was in the semi against... Uh, Australia, he went down with a knee injury. He was seen in a brace um, in the days afterwards, and there was some concern there. Like you know, it could it, you know could it be an ACL? Usually, with a brace, you're looking at a ligament. Thankfully, um, it is just an MCL, uh, is what I've been told. And moderate to high grade, they weren't quite sure. They they knew they had to keep him in a brace. So so you're probably looking at around six to eight weeks, that kind of thing. So he he's got six to eight weeks off anyway now, as all the guys from the World Cup do um, with the CBA. Uh, the collective bargaining agreement, uh, they all need eight weeks off after finishing footy. So he'll probably just be rehabbing for that and then, um, yeah, be back good to go sort of that late January phase when he comes back. And then Hamlin Ueli, yeah, look, apparently he's all good with his calf, so nothing too much to talk about there. Yeah, nice one. No other news for the Sharkies in the casualty ward there either? No, no. I think Talakai, um, yeah, he had a a few struggles sort of playing in the World Cup, but apart from, I, 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 look, he should be fine for round one as well. Yeah, nice one. Next one is the mighty Yes, yes. This so, is, oh, James, how good is this? We're talking about the Dolphins. We are. We're talking about the Dolphins, mate. Get ready to strap yourself in. So we mentioned last time Ray Stone coming back from an ACL injury, so he'll be probably on target for early next year by the looks of things. Looks like he's progressing along reasonably well. And of interest, um, Hamaso Taboy Fado. Marquee signing for you guys there at the Dolphins. So good good get from the Cowboys there. Looks like I'm, I'm guessing they'll probably line him up at fullback, I'm assuming, given them the money they'll probably shelled out for him. He had a syndesmosis injury in the World Cup. Is that a repeat injury of his ankle syndesmosis that he injured only last year or um, the year just gone, Brian? No, by all accounts, it's the other ankle. Uh, mm. So, yeah, look, those syndesmosis injuries, they, they don't tend to affect guys too much long-term. The new, you know, tightrope surgery is just fantastic at getting early accelerated rehab and then return to performance is really, really good, especially, you know, he'll be fit once again around that Christmas period and then heading into January. So I haven't got too many concerns as a, uh, you know, a rabid Dolphins fan. I think he will be fine. I just wonder whether they are going to go out and sign uh, Tessie New, which I hope they don't. Uh, because I don't think he's all that good a fullback. Not that Tabo Fado has shown all that much, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they stick um, stick to Hamaso and just give him a go. Because uh, I think his speed and his talent, uh, you just need to throw him in there and see how he goes. The upside is there. Yeah, certainly he was really good in Origin the year before, wasn't he? So I think the talent's there. It'd be really nice to see him get an extended run. In the one jumper. Next up is the Gold Coast Titans, Brian. So the only player we haven't mentioned last time, which is one who's new to the casualty ward this time, is Aaron Shook with a shoulder concern. Obviously, he was with the Doggies only until recently signing with the Titans on a, on a longer-term deal there. What's his details um, regarding that shoulder concern? 
Yeah, another shoulder, Rico. So, you know, uh, copy and paste from the last one. So he should be fine coming into next year. I think um, the only concerns for the Titans are going to be those bigger knee injuries like the Aaron Booth and Patrick Herbert, both multi-ligament knee injuries. So they probably both won't be available till kind of mid-next season. Yeah, nice, nice one there. Next up is the Manly Seagull. So a few interesting ones here, well, especially for, from my point of view anyway. So Josh Alloyer is an MPFL plus MCL surgery. So it looks like sort of a stabilisation surgery there for his patella um, plus MCL surgery. Then Morgan Harper and Benny Trevojevic have shoulder recos. Taniela Paseca is facing knee surgery. Morgan Boyle is nursing a foot fracture. Alec Tuitavaki was likely an ACL knee injury as well. So a few other things to cover through here, Brian. Do you want to list off those details for those players there? Yeah, mate, I think this is a really good example and like props to the Seagulls because the the casualty ward stuff that they put out like listed all their guys who have had off-season surgery. And I want to point out that even though we're talking about these other injuries, like every club will have a list like this of off-season surgery. So guys who are playing through stuff, they get fixed up in the off-season and we just never really find out about it, unfortunately. I try and, you know, I've got a few connections now, so I try and reach out and and get a few things, uh, a few details uh, about, you know, different surgeries and all that kind of stuff. And thankfully I was able to do that with Josh Alloyer and get sort of more detail there. But yeah, like keep in mind that there's going to be guys, it'll pop up. It usually pops up in January, February once the the journos come back and start talking to guys and they'll just offhand mention, oh, yeah, I had a knee clean-up or a shoulder clean-up or something like that. So we'll get a lot more detail heading into January, February, hopefully, about a few, a few guys from other clubs. But here we've got the, um, yeah, Josh Alloyer, MPFL and MCL surgery. So MPFL is the ligament that holds the kneecap sort of in place on the inner side or the medial border of the kneecap. Um, so it, it sounds like that's what... LOIA was playing through at the end of last season. He injured his knee with a direct contact. So obviously direct contact and had some damage to that ligament on the inside of the kneecap. And then that's just progressed into it fully dislocating in the game at the World Cup. He also needed his MCL, apparently surgery as well. I did clarify that because it is quite strange to need the MCL um, repaired as well. But I was told that, yes, it was repaired um, along with the MPFL. So that's a pretty significant surgery, multi-ligaments being repaired there. Three to four months, he's still likely to be good for round one next year, but a limited off-season means that he's probably not going to hit the ground at top um, top performance. Morgan Harper and Ben Trebojevic, they had their shoulder reconstructions. I think Benny Turbo actually had his... Um, like at least a couple of weeks before Morgan Harper. So he's a bit ahead of him in the recovery. Taniel Paseca, another guy who suffered a knee injury at the end of the season, uh, but is now, by all accounts, um, yeah, progressing really, really well. So he'll be back with the team. Morgan Boyle with his foot fracture. That's one who he's in the early stages. So he's going to have a limited uh, off season. So he might struggle to sort of force his way into the side coming early next year. And Tui Tavake, he's a guy I don't know a lot about, but from the release from them, uh, it from the Seagulls, it certainly sounds like it was an ACL with Jason Saab because they kind of talked about them in tandem. Uh, so it sounds like he'll be unavailable till kind of, yeah, at least mid-next season as well. Yeah, nice detail. No other things on the Seagulls 
I guess from historical sort of reference points there, especially Tommy Turbo or Ruben Garrick are probably two more interesting ones. Yeah, no, those guys should be fine. I think Carl Lawton, even with his ACL, should be pushing uh, for round one. It'll be somewhere in that, I think, around that eight to nine month mark for round one. So he, he'll be pushing to, to be fit for that too. Yeah, nice one. Next team on the list here, Brian, is the Melbourne Storm. No new concerns from them that we haven't discussed before. Is there anything you want to update from previously discussed players? No, no. I think, like, if do yourselves a favour and if you're not following Pappenhausen on uh, socials, go and follow him because he's posting a lot of cool stuff about his rehab at different times. But other than that, no, guys. Uh, Christian Welsh, actually, Christian Welsh, there's been some good stuff on Storm socials about him too. So he's sort of getting back out there and doing more stuff and looking pretty good. So I'm pretty high on Welsh heading into next season um, in terms of guys coming off Achilles. I think he'll do well. Yeah, fantasy relevant, that chat as well, isn't it? Next team there, Brian, was the Newcastle Knights. Jackson Hastings, new signing up there. He's just come off ankle surgery. He's the only new addition to that um, casualty ward there. Actually, a little bit of gossip I've got about the Knights, Brian. My word is Tessie New is going to play fullback for them, yeah, and they're going to play so. Ponger at six. This is a weird story, but when my auntie won her car as a Broncos member, she got the car presented to her by Michael Hancock and Lottie Takiri of Broncos oh, wow. fame, and they were both fairly adamant that um, the deal with Tessie News done and dusted with the Knights nice. um, was, was their impression on things. So she picked that up a couple of weeks ago. So that's my sort of scoop there is way too early Male, do you want to give us, apart from the gossip there on the Knights and maybe testing you a bit on the move, do you want to give us a bit of an update on Jackson Hastings there as a starter? Yeah, mate, he's going really, really well. Obviously, new recruit. I think um, we spoke about him in the last podcast in regards to the Tigers, but I just think any Knights fans who are wondering how he's going to look, yeah, he'll be fine coming into next year. His uh, ball accounts, his rehab's going really, really well. I'm hoping to potentially have a chat to him uh, in January, February, and just kind of check in on him, uh, maybe have him on the pod and sort of see how he's going. But other than that, yeah, he, uh, he should be sweet come round one next year. Nice one. Parramatta Eels, Bailey Simonson's the addition there. Obviously, the shoulder reconstruction from that, likely from that dislocation that he sustained in the grand final, Brian. What do you think in terms of return to the Eels for Bailey? Yeah, I think that was the main update there was just the fact that we spoke about last time that he dislocated it but hadn't had surgery yet, but then was pictured in a sling, uh, obviously a post-surgical sling. So, yeah, so he'll... Uh, look, I, I think his was quite late too because, once again, we were we kind of recorded our pod a week or two after the grand final and then he was only just recently seen in the sling. I think today I noticed he posted he's over in Fiji without the sling, so that means he's kind of probably past that initial six-week phase. So, yeah, he's still on track and he should, because I think there's about four, there'd be four months, maybe four months to uh, to round one. So he still should yep. be fine provided that there's not, you know, no significant, you know, multi repair that he needed or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that's his second one on that shoulder. So obviously a bit worrisome there. I think they're probably going to, they'll probably have done like a, a pretty significant one, like a ladder J or something like that. Yeah. To really lock yeah. it down. Yeah. Good call. Any other updates from the Eels there from previous no, no, all good, time mate. round either? So no, all good. Next one, Brian, was the Cowboys. Nothing new from the Cowboys there. Maybe a little update on previous people. We've talked about Mitch Dunn and Neil and Lukey there, both off ACL injuries. Brian, do you want to give us a little little rundown on those two? Yeah, I just wanted to say, just take with a grain of salt these like predicted sides. I read an article from a certain news establishment the other day about like predicted round one teams, and they're pretty much just anyone who suffered an ACL injury. They were like, oh, they're not going to be fit for round one next year. 
like including Mitch Dunn and Hylam Lukey. Hylam Lukey, it'll be nine months to the day, um, I pretty much to round one. I think maybe a week less, maybe eight months and three weeks, or something like that. And Mitch Dunn suffered his ACL injury in February of this year, so it'll be thirteen months since he suffered his injury. So it's just, I don't know, it's a bit lazy um, reporting for me. Like you know, knowing what those expected recovery times are like when they're going to be ready. Because, look, I could accept that maybe you've reached out to the Cowboys and they've said, oh, Highland Lukey's touch and go. But Mitch Dunn, like, that's 13 months. Like, unless something's happened that we haven't heard about and he's, like, re you know, ruptured or something and needed a follow-up surgery, um, he should be fine for round one. So, yeah, just something to keep in mind. And I guess listen to this podcast if you want to get uh, good, accurate uh, injury information. Accuracy saves lives, doesn't it, in terms of fantasy football stuff anyway. So get on get on that bandwagon off the back of you there, Brian. Panthers next. Two guys here from the World Cup. Spencer Lenu with sh- that shoulder concern from the Cup and also Isaac Tungo as well. What do you reckon they're facing? Yeah, mate. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Spencer Lenio needs a shoulder eco. Like I was told directly from Samoa that uh, he was ruled out leading into the – into the semi, um, that he was gone, they'd ruled him out, and then they had, like, two or three other guys get ruled out. And as we've spoken about with these shoulder, like, labrum issues, even though, you know, it can be quite significant, you can kind of strap them up and play through, and they just kind of got to the point where they're like, we we just need a warm body, and the other injuries and ones that couldn't really be played through. So they just strapped him up and got him back out there again. I think he was quoted uh, in an ABC report as like, my shoulder is broken, but I'd break it further for my brothers. So obviously fantastic, mm. you know, commitment to his country and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it sounds like his shoulder's pretty cooked. So this is going to be an interesting one. Like, as I said, only four months now till round one. That'll be pushing it for him to be fit. So it might be a bit of a gradual start to the season for Spence Lenny. Isaac Tungo didn't play after the first game. I put a post up sort of showing knowing that he was dealing with a shoulder issue there um, that he carried since the NRL season. I think it's just an AC joint injury from what I've been told. Uh, but, you know, potentially if there is a joint, a glenohumeral joint issue there, he could require surgery as well. I don't think that's the case, and there's no suggestion of that at this stage. So I just hope that it's just an AC joint issue and that he'll be fine sort of post-Christmas. Good detail on the Panthers there, Brian. Nice one. Rabbitohs next. Nothing new from the Rabbitohs, Brian. So we might even just move forward to the Roosters because there's really only Jared Warrior Hargreaves with his hamstring concern to discuss here. Do you want to give us a little bit of rundown on him? Yeah, mate, he aggravated that hamstring again. I think the main thing I want to talk about here, nothing like, you know, it's not going to keep him out of next season, but it's just, yeah, those hammies are starting to pile up for him. He's had quite a few in the last couple of seasons. We've spoken about the weird workload that he's been given at times and all that kind of thing. So he's just someone who, like, I'd be shocked if he gets through next season without another lower limb like muscle strain of some sort. I think his age, um, you know, his history now, I think that's pretty inevitable at some point to have some sort of soft tissue injury. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the, the Roosters have got good depth. Yeah, I agree. Any specific detail on probably one who's more interesting to most people is there is Suwali'i, obviously playing all those games at fullback for Samoa through the World Cup. Is he, what, what do you think about his sort of impact or if there's any other concerns with him during the off-season? 
Yeah, well, he had that shoulder that he was playing through. Um, so there was ligament damage, so just a, like a loosening of the ligaments and some bone bruising after he subluxed it late in the season. So once again, that could, like I think in someone that young, they're probably going to want to avoid surgery if they can. But there is, there's a little bit of concern heading into next season. You know, if that if that shoulder isn't quite 100%, he's a guy who's, you know, jumping for balls, diving for tries, you know, all with that, uh, like potentially putting that arm above his head, landing on it in that dangerous motion. So he's someone who I'm a little, oh, look, you know, maybe 10 or 15% more concerned than I would be otherwise. Uh, but nothing significant, but just one to keep an eye on for sure. He'll be really interesting for me, Brian, in terms of origin selections because I think it'll be between him, Toe, and I, I would say Ado Car based on the oh, way he mate, played for the Kangaroos. Can't... So I think that'll be that'll be a red hot sort of race for two jumpers there with with those three wingers there on the cards. Next team to talk about there is the Dragons. So Michaeli Ravalava had a hamstring concern, and Jack DeBellin had shoulder surgery as well. Brian, any details on them? Uh, yeah, Ravalava he had a hamstring issue at the end of the NRL season that ended his season, and then he went all the way over to the World Cup, was looking like playing, and then re-injured it. So, I mean, you know, st- typical textbook, we talk about uh, the the hamstrings all the time and their re-injury rates. So, yeah, so he's someone who I'm a bit iffy on heading into next season. There's, uh, you know, re-injury risk there sort of moving forward. It should have lapsed a lot with a good preseason under his belt, but something to keep an eye on. And Jack DeBellin just had minor shoulder surgery, uh, so he should be fine. And then to save you the trouble, Mr. Host, I think Warriors and Tigers, there's nothing really to talk about there. There's no new stuff there, so we might move on. I think you've got a special segment for us to uh, mark the off-season. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. So we're going to do our recap on the Magic Sponge Award, Magic Sponge Awards for 2022. So I guess we're going to start with a few sort of injury-related topics here and injury-related awards, finish with a few general ones, and then we're going to bring that all together and culminate it with the coveted Golden Magic Sponge for Player of the Year in our eyes. So oh, we're just going to run through strange. a few topics here which were just of interest to both of us, both being footy heads and blokes who love a bit of NRL. A bit of a reflection here of um, things that were highlights for us, the lowlights and a few other things in between. So I'm going to ask you, Brian, first of all, toughest effort in 2022 or maniac of the year, we're going to call this. What was your toughest effort that you witnessed throughout the NRL season? Yeah, mate. So we had a couple of ruptured pe- testicles and they finished the game. So Chanel Harris-DeVita and Tommy Dearden, which, you know, for any bloke listening out there, would uh, definitely consider that a maniac. But I think and another one was uh, Tommy Turbo. Like, he played at least a half with a f- completely torn MCL, ran for 300 metres, seven tackle busts and a try. But... My maniac of the year has to go to Sam Walker, and it doesn't sound like all that much, but where it separates from the other ones for me is that all of those guys, so Tommy Termo, um, Harris DeVita, and Deedon, they obviously got hurt, and they knew they were hurt, but they didn't know how bad it was, right? Sammy Walker has come off, you know, late in the season, got a scan, found out he has a forearm fracture, but padded it up and played that final against the Rabbits, uh, that week one final, which to me, that's fairly maniac, right? It's a bit like Cooper Cronk in the in the grand final in terms of th- there is a difference for me in kind of an injury in game and just kind of pushing through it because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to push through and the adrenaline and all that kind of stuff. But if you sit there and you've got a scan in front of you that says, mate, you have completely stuffed yourself and you've just you've got to get your head around that and get out there and play that very next week, that's, uh, yeah, so Sammy Walker is my maniac of the year. What about you, mate? 
Yeah, I like Sammy Walker is a good call there. I also agree with you on the Tom Dearden injury with the ruptured nut there. That, to me, just seems absolutely wild. I went a little bit off topic here, but I just thought it was worth mentioning about Ruben Cotter. Selected for Origin 1, and he played the full 80 minutes and yeah. played unbelievable. I just thought that was just an effort that took me completely by surprise, and it was one of the the more inspiring things I've, I've seen on, on a football field and just epitomised Queensland spirit, which we talk about <laughs> very, very frequently, and we ramble on about it. He just gets Origin. I just, oh, he, he just gets it, yeah. <laughs> and credit to Billy Slater because I thought that was just a coaching masterstroke, but I thought that was just an unbelievable effort for that intensity of game, for him – had that body shape inside, playing 80 minutes in the middle there. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. So shout out to Ruben Cotter there for Man of the Year from mine for a really tough effort in Origin 1. Next topic, Brian, we're going to talk through, or next award we're going to give out for the Magic Sponge is Underperformer of the Year. Who would you have as Underperformer of the Year this year? Oh, mate, this is one that hurts hard, but it has to be Josh Schuster for me, someone who I, I know any regular listeners would know. I drafted in like four or five draft leagues, thinking syndesmosis injuries don't affect players all that much, uh, return to performance really quickly. And, yeah, like it's the first one I can remember since covering NRL injuries that just like significant uh, conditioning issues coming off off surgery, like you know, he was bowl accounts fit and being held out of the well, fit as in from the from the surgery, and then uh, just held out of the team for conditioning. He, he put on too much weight, he ate too much fast food, and 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 then you know you saw the rest of the season didn't even get a start. You know after what what a season he had the year before, couldn't even get a start, and and you could see he was bigger than he needed to be. There's all the already the training the house down has come out. He's running hills and doing all this stuff, and to me those stories are like wow, a, a player's doing you know what he's being paid to do and what he's supposed to do. I don't see that as being you know all that inspirational or all that special. I think you know he he needs to improve. It's a bit like I've talked about Matty Moylan in the past. You know the, these kind of things need to be done. Uh, so. So, yeah, so he's my underperformer of the year. That was a really disappointing season for him. What about you, mate? Yeah, I think with Josh Schuster, so with Brian, you have to be ready to get hurt again if you're a fantasy football enthusiast <laughs> because he's going to be juicy next year price-wise. But, my God, you need to know the scope of outcomes there are going to be either very good or very, very bad, depending on how you do it. I had a couple of guys that I was really big on for this season, and one of them was riddled. Well, they were both riddled by injury, I think. They had very disrupted seasons. So, Stefano Utuk and Manu, I thought off the back of his debut sort of breakout season last year, I thought he'd be really established in one of the better front rowers, but he had a really disrupted year with injury and just general West Tigers shenanigans. And the other one I thought was really disappointing from my point of view, who I thought would really just stake a claim to an origin jersey and, and make it his own and be an integral part of the Queensland team was David Defeater. I thought he was yeah. really disappointing this year. Um, I know he had a couple of MCL injuries and a little bit disrupted there, and, and that's not because of his price tag. I no concerns with you know what's going on there. I just thought his, his performance I, I was really disappointed with and someone who I think should be really hitting his straps and dominating more games than he dominates. So he, he, was, he was mine there, Brian. What did you think about their seasons? Yeah, mate, I completely agree. I mean, for feeder, I had as like the injury by the year, uh, and he just had a yeah horrible season uh, performance wise. Like I look, he obviously had the MCL injury in there, which cut him down. I think usage was a massive issue with him too. I, I thought the coaching at the at the Titans was quite 
confusing. I think a lot of people calling for early ball, you know, get the ball in his hand. The number of decoys he ran this year was just ridiculous. And then Utoikamanu, uh, yeah, another one who I tipped. I thought he'd be like a top five to ten front row forward, um, particularly for draft purposes and those kind of things. And, yeah, he was just... No good as well. So yeah, that that's probably the the podium of my poor calls. Uh, those three for the, heading into this year, I had plenty of ones that I was really happy with. But yeah, those three were were definitely disappointing. Onwards and upwards for twenty twenty three. Then, so for our next award here, it's for comeback player of the year. Brian, who'd you have as comeback player of the year? Oh mate, I've said it enough. I'll I won't go on too much about it. But Paddy Carrigan coming off the ACL, that's the best. Yeah, the best performance I've seen coming off an ACL by a country mile. Uh, yeah, absolutely phenomenal and will only get better, I'm sure. I will give a special shout-out to Matty Moylan. I mean, I've been critical of him on here in the past. I think he got through this season and only had one soft tissue strain, which for him is pretty bloody good, mate. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll just give him a special mention there as comeback player of the year. Agree with both of those, Brian. I had Nathan Cleary off his shoulder, Rico. I just thought his season was exceptional. Yeah, yeah. And I think he missed the first two games of the season, didn't he? But he just came back like he never missed a beat. I thought he was really exceptional off the shoulder reconstruction. Next award we've got is for craziest injury story of the year that here. So there was a few contenders for this one, Brian. Who did you have as your craziest injury story for the year or most unusual? Yeah, mate, I think this is a bit, like, it's probably a bit physiocentric, uh, probably not as crazy to some people, but certainly for me, the Tavita Pangai Jr., his ruptured plantaris, you know, the, the way that he suffered it, he's, he's pushing off, you know, pushing through driving, leg drive, and he feels a pop in the back of his heel, like where the Achilles is, you know, significant pain, limps off, you're just thinking, oh, my God, like, that's got to be Achilles, and some people don't even have a plantaris muscle. Uh, like, you know, there's a certain percentage that don't even have it because it's not a functional muscle. So for him to kind of escape that whole situation with a, a torn plantaris that not only, okay, yeah, it's torn, but it allows him to return in like two or three weeks. Yeah, that was just a crazy, crazy injury story for for me. I, I haven't heard of another torn plantaris in the NRL uh, since I started covering it, uh, I don't know how long it'll be till, till I hear another one. So, yeah, definitely the craziest for me. Nice one. I had a slightly different sort of take on the craziest injury story. I looked at the concussion that Isaiah Yo suffered in origin oh, yeah. and just thought how he was allowed to stay on the field was absolutely wild in my opinion for a variety of reasons. But I just thought that that situation was um, absolutely diabolical, which I know we, we sort of went in on in um, one of the podcasts this year, didn't we? Oh, mate, yeah, the uh, the footage of that's pretty damning. I mean, the NRL never releases any sort of, uh, you know, results of their investigations or anything like that. But, yeah, I really hope there was something that sort of came of that because, yeah, that was pretty bad. Next award, Brian, was Best Social Interaction of the Year on the NRL Physio platforms across the socials there. What was your favourites? <laughs> um, I think I'd have to go. I, I love, uh, look, for anyone who's not on Twitter, I get it. I get into him a bit on Instagram as well. But Dr. Brad Robinson, uh, we go at each other 
pretty much every week. Uh, Brad is wonderful. He delivered my second bub, uh, Ava. Uh, he, lovely guy, but, uh, like, I just, I, I love to go at him on uh, on the socials, especially because he's an Eels fan and they haven't won in a long, long time. And I've told him that the Dolphins are going to win uh, a comp before the Eels do now. So I hope that that happens. And then special mention to the headgear companies going at me over that joke uh, post that, or, you know, relatively tongue-in-cheek post that I put up and then all the headgear companies coming in, which, James, of interest, once again, to my, uh, yeah, right, right up my alley, there was a, a recent, like, meta-analysis of all the headgear stuff it came out in 2022, and it still said that uh, the current evidence says that headgear does not help with concussions. So that is there the latest go. up-to-date research still indicates. I hope I hope the headgear does some point come to the fore, but uh, yeah, no. Sorry, headgear companies. Well, the research doesn't lie, Brian, so you've got to roll with that. On the Dolphins content there, Brian, that was my favourite social interactions of the year. There was basically every time the Dolphins had a press release, it was just people absolutely rinsing them. And I, <laughs> as a Broncos fan, really enjoyed that. I know you probably didn't enjoy it much as a Dolphins fan, but it just seemed like every media release or every sort of jersey release or marketing release oh, was just not that great. And I just thought... Whoever's in charge here needs to step it up a bit because they were just getting absolutely murdered through um, the socials. I thought it was quite funny. No, it's been tough. I think you know, like I'm, I already know as like one of the only Dolphins fans on socials. It feels like sometimes I'm going to get these questions going on, like you know, Dolphins podcasts and preview podcasts and stuff like that coming into next season, and it's going to be really hard because I haven't been impressed with a lot of the off-field stuff that's gone on. And the hardest thing is supporting a new club. That's all I've had to go on, or, or any fan has had to go on, is the off-field stuff. We haven't had, like, you know, you're, if you're a Bulldogs fan or something or, or whoever, whoever you want to support, at least if your team makes a shitty decision during the week or they bring out a crappy jersey like the Dolphins have, you can then go and watch your team on the weekend. And even if they play shit or whatever, they might score a good try or there might be a young player who you can get around and get excited about. Dolphins just don't have that at the moment. All we've got is, you know, off-field. Like, you know, what's the off-field stuff? And between the no location in the name to some of the signing decisions to the jersey, which is just an abomination, like, yeah, it's been tough. So I just want them to get on the field and start playing because then we can deal with the footy and not have to worry about the off-field stuff. But, yeah, it has. it's definitely been a tough, a tough, yeah, pretty much since the team got announced. Puppy start there for the Dolphins on the socials anyway, Brian. So we'll move on to our next Magic Sponge Award, which is by the year. I had Nico Hines for this one, Brian. I'm guessing you probably had Nico as well. Yeah, mate. Nico's hard to go past. Uh, I think, you know, your Reynolds, Burton, Jackson, Hastings, a good one too. Yep. Actually, of interest, I, like on this one, like you agree Newcastle win that trade hands down of Hastings Absolutely. and Clemmer? Oh, of course mate. I do. I can't. Yeah, of course I, I do. I, like how the Tigers... Like, yeah, look, Brooks, Luke Brooks, great player, all that kind of stuff. But how the Tigers haven't gone, look, we've run our race here with Brooksy. Let's just, like, Hastings touched the ball over 100 times a game for them last year and was one of their best. It blows me away that they've gotten rid of him. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know what thought process is there, but 
good luck to the Tigers next year and good luck to the Knights with him going up there. I still don't agree with Ponga moving to six, but anyway, that's a whole different topic. We'll talk about that next year, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll we'll go right in on that. Rookie of the year, Brian. Who do you have as rookie of the year for 2022 for the Magic Sponge Awards? Yeah, I think it's got to be Nanai. He was just immense, even for Queensland, just crazy. I was disappointed he didn't get more time, game time in the World Cup. But yeah, I just thought he was insane. I'm sure you were pretty similar. Yeah, elite right edge, isn't he? He's just stepped in and just hit the ground running. I, I think a special shout-out to a few other players. I thought Will Penasini was really good for Parra. He wasn't sort of making the splash players like, I guess, Yusu Elites were or um, even Isaac Tungo as well for, for like, the Panthers there was so good. And I think for the Broncos, I think Ezra Mam showed a lot. I think there's there's really, really good signs with a with a genuine six coming on board there for the Bronx. So I, I think Nanai probably just gets the cape, but... Geez, there's a lot to love from you know the, the rookie classes that come through the NRL every year. It just keeps almost feeling like it gets better and better, doesn't it? Yeah, it was quite confusing to me um, that young Tigers half who signed for the Bronx. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Jock Madden, yeah, yeah, Jock Madden. Like with Ezra there, like I know, like obviously you know they're going to go toe to toe. But I thought that all the talk was of Jock wanting to go somewhere for sort of guaranteed first-choice football, and I thought there are other clubs that he probably could have gone to. It'll be a great depth play, and maybe he can um, edge out Ezra. But, yeah, I mean, the upside there with Ezra, I think if you're a Bronx fan, you're surely wanting them to stick with uh, with Mam at six, hey? Yeah, I think so. I think the decision Kevy made late in the year to leave him out of team was diabolical, to put it bluntly, amongst other decisions <laughs> there. But we'll move on to most improved player in the comp here, Brian. Who was your most improved for 2022 for the Magic Sponge? Oh, mate, it has to be Tommy Dearden. Like, you know, he left the Bronx and was just, yeah, a shell of a player. Obviously, just not... Uh, getting the support that he needed from the club, I think uh, spoke to a few people, and yeah, there were some, there were some things there that he just wasn't, yeah, he, he wasn't really well supported, he wasn't looked after, and went up to the up to the cows, and obviously, yeah, was in the right situation, in the right system because he was phenomenal. I mean, look. I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say when he got picked for Origin, I completely doubted it. I was like, oh, I don't know how he's going to go. And, mate, he handled himself. He was really, really solid. So I think to go from, yeah, where he was to, you know, leading the cows really, really well, I think, yeah, most improved for sure. He was good, wasn't he? It just goes to show how good coaching he got up there compared to what he had under Seabold there at the Bronx. On the Cowboys topic there, I thought Reese Robson was really, really good this year as well, Brian. I thought he was absolutely exceptional. My most improved, and this might be an interesting take, is I've actually given it to Nico Hines. I think yeah. there was certainly an appreciation for me that Nico was good, but then his performance at seven every week, I just went, man, I knew this guy was good, but he is, he is tippity top. He was absolutely yeah. elite this year. So I gave Nico Hines as my most improved because I think we all – we're probably not surprised that he was as good as he was because you saw flashes of it at the Storm, but for him to be as consistent as he was week in, week out and deliver the performances he did for the Sharks, I thought he was really, really exceptional. So he was the one I gave my most improved to. Yeah, nice. Biggest fuck-up footy moment, Brian. <laughs> I There was a couple. There was a lot of contenders here. It's just, this is the best thing about <laughs> rugby league is that just all these big fuck-up moments that footy can deliver, but... I had a couple here. I had the Cowboys versus Tigers finish up in North oh, Queensland, Jesus, that yeah. diabolical penalty <laughs> after the siren. That was an absolute nightmare. And my big prediction for 2023, biggest fuck-up footy moment, is probably <laughs> the signing of Anthony Seabold already. <laughs> I think that's probably not a red-hot take, but 
I think that could lead to Manly really, really, really imploding next year. I see that as a fractured playing group. I see that as a coach who hasn't shown a heck of a lot to me that would suggest he's the man for the job there. So they're probably my two big, big fuck up moments for the year, Brian. Who was, who was your, what was your biggest moment for 2022 on the Magic Sponge? Mate, the Harvard, the Harvard, uh, you know, degree doesn't do it for That's you. Right. You know, like it yeah. doesn't fill you with confidence. I love a man who's tertiary educated, Brian, but I think when it comes to rugby league, I don't see that as a prerequisite. I'll say that. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, no, that's a funny one. I like that. Um, Look, mine for this one, the Bronx losing to the Tigers late in the season. They went on a good run. They went down. They beat Para in Sydney. Everything was looking good. And, I like, once again, you know, living in Brisbane, talking to the people I, you know, get to talk to every now and then, apparently they just got too big for their boots and just sort of thought, yep, we're morals here. I think they're up in like fourth or fifth. They're playing Tigers at home. They, the Tigers were in dead last. They should absolutely wipe the floor with the Tigers this game. And to go in and, you know, think that they already had the game won, they lost, and then I think they barely won a game for the rest of the year. I just thought that was pretty woeful from the Bronx, I think, and they limped and they missed the finals, um, you know, and, and should never have done that. I think they were paying, like, low $1 something to, to make the finals when they were in that spot. Yeah, I just thought that was pretty – yeah, that was a fuck-up. Yeah, big one. I agree. I think Adam Dewey had a crack of a game. They're going to remember him absolutely – carving up at six there for the Tigers. But you're right, the Broncos, that was the tipping point of their season, wasn't it? Caribbean got suspended. Um, you know, they lost that game and it all sort of fell apart, didn't it? Next award we have to talk through, Brian, is the biggest brain explosion moment. Again, just a great rugby league topic to talk about brain explosions because there's there's many of a week. But what was your biggest brain explosion moment for the 2022 NRL season? Once again, this is probably a personal gripe, so a lot of people will think this wasn't really a brain explosion, but I think the whole like NRL charges situation, whoever came up with that as an idea of just handing out these pit pitiful fines for these, you know, big things. You've got Jared Warrior Hargraves, Nelson Asofa Solomona putting their elbow through guys' faces and just walking away with like a fine for the like the third and fourth time this season absolutely ridiculous. Like, I cannot believe there was a big study, actually, in Union, something they do a lot better than League, is they've got some science guys in behind, like, a lot of these decision makings and stuff like that. A big study actually came out about charges in um, Union and how that affects, like, the height of tackles and foul play and all that kind of stuff. And shock horror, when foul play was well, uh, you know, well punished, the number of incidents came down. It's not just where I think it's disingenuous. It was when it comes out of like, oh, well, there was less charges. You know, like I think the NRL has said, you know, we've had less suspensions this year than ever before and all this kind of stuff. But that's very subjective around like, you know, like they could change the criteria, right, to make it more or less easy to be charged. Whereas what the the union did was looked at um, you know, concussion incidents, uh, guys missing games due to injury from foul play, like those kind of objective measures that you can't, you know, you can't really, like, I guess, get your hands on as a game. You could argue that, you know, maybe a team held a guy out with concussion longer than you need to or whatever, but that's like a team-by-team team thing. So, yeah, I just think the NRL charges are in a bit of a bit of a weak spot at the moment. I don't think it's a great um, thing for player safety, and I think it... Probably needs to change moving forward. 
it's a good point you make, Brian. There's a lot of things that you can drill down to there. And it's been a gripe of I think I think a lot of people for a long period of time with, you know, the judiciary system and the match review committee and those type of things. And they haven't they, you know, I think the NRL pegs itself as a world leader in that space, but I don't know if they've got it quite right there. I think there's always ways to get better. My biggest brain explosion moment was Ricky Stewart in the press conference calling Jamin Salmon a weak gutted <laughs> dog. I just thought the the vernacular there was just sensational. It was off the cuff. It was visceral. There was hate. There was just all the things that you you sort of I sort of got a glimpse into Ricky Stewart what he would have been like as a player just for that one yeah. little moment about what he would have been like on the footy field. And I just I really enjoyed it just just for the humor with it. I, I don't know the backstory with it and all the history behind it and all that sort of stuff. But that as a comment in the media is going to just live on in infamy forever and ever and ever. And it's one of my more favourite comments to call close friends in a joking way whenever I catch up with them, call them <laughs> in a week, got a dog. It's just one of the great lines that I think has just become part of my vocabulary as well. So that was my biggest brain explosion moment. Next one we're going to talk about, Brian's coaching masterstroke. What was your coaching masterstroke for 2022? Mate, I think Nico Hines the halfback. I think the results speak for themselves. Dally M, the Sharks did really well. I Once again, I'll put my hand up. I didn't think he was a halfback. I thought he was a gun fullback. I thought he'd even be a relatively good 5'8". Um, you know, as a running 5'8". I did not see him being an organizing halfback. I just didn't see it. Um, but obviously, better minds than me, thankfully, because, yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. So I'm more than happy to eat a humble pie, as I'm sure a lot of people are, on that decision. But, yeah, he was just fantastic. Yeah, we could all slurp Nico Hines, can't we? I think we already have a couple of times in this yeah. podcast already, but he was great, wasn't he? My two of note there was obviously the Ruben Cottle role in Origin 1. I thought that was just a masterstroke by Billy Slater. And I think also how Ben Hunt was used throughout the Origin series I thought was sensational as well. He was really, really, really exceptional. We've gone coaching masterstroke just before there, Brian. We're going to talk about a coaching bedshit decision. What was your biggest bedshit decision that you saw in coaches – this year, you know, there's, there's a lot we can choose from here. This is a broad category. Well, what did you think in terms of the coaching bedsheet of 2022? Oh, mate, I think this is a weird one in that I think Toddy Payton deserves all the credit that he got for such a wonderful coaching performance this year. But I reckon he fell into one of the big, you know, you could look at it as, oh, masterstroke and blah, blah, blah. But, mate, Scotty Drinkwater not being in that team to start the year was absolutely fucking diabolical for me. Like, Scotty Drinkwater, I, he was like my call of, like, the Dolphins should go and sign him as their marquee player. Like, I just think he's fantastic. I know he's not good in defense. I get that. But, mate, like, the upside he has with the ball in hand is Phenomenal. And, yeah, for him to not be in the team at the start of the year, like, as I said, Peyton was saved by the fact that there were injuries there and that kind of slotted him in. And, it, like, you know, he obviously finished the year there. But, yeah, I just thought him not being picked in that side to start the year and, and for the first several weeks was just, yeah, bonkers. It's a good one to drink water, isn't it, to reflect back on. But when you think when Billy Slater was still at the Storm, there was him... Nico Hines and Ryan Pappenhausen in that system. And he was pegged as the best of the bunch at that time, wasn't he? So I guess, you know, a lot can change between then and now. But he's obviously always had that bit of bad into what he drink water. And I think the fact that he wasn't getting a a start at one was a bit of a head scratch as well. But it's lucky it sort of played out for the best there with um, Hamaso Taboy Fado getting injured early in the season there, wasn't it? So in terms of my coaching bedsheet, Brian, a lot of Kevin Walters stuff here I could probably <laughs> mention. I could probably spend half an hour talking about that stuff on its own and break it down week by week. <laughs> the one that really stands out, though, and, and I mentioned this 
on the Magic Sponge at the time, and I mentioned it to you about how much of a head scratcher was, but just Josh Adokar missing origin selection. I oh, thought yeah. oh, I, didn't, I didn't see the logic there, and then he's just come out for the kangaroos and absolutely balled out. I just thought, man, oh, man, if Brad Fittler had his time again, would he would he go the other way instead of, you know, a Dan Tupo selection there or, you know, even Brian Toto. I thought just missing Adokar there was a huge miss for the Blues, hey? Yeah, mate, there's a few weird ones like that for Freddie. Like, even, you know, David Klemmer not getting picked. Like, it seems like there's a few guys who are just off the, like, on the nose with him, um, and he just doesn't seem to want to pick them. I, like, as a Queenslander, I hope it continues for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think, mate, like, at a car speed, especially at that origin level, it's just you can't replace it, can you? Like, like uh, the, no. the, old, the old adage, and I know it's super... Uh, stereotypical, but picking the side the opposition least wants to see. And I can tell you, as a Queenslander, I slept a lot better the Tuesday night beforehand, knowing that it was Dan Tupo on the wing and not Joshua Adokar. Yeah, and I think on Adokar, you could make an argument that he's probably been one of the better NRL wingers in this era. I think you know, look when you look at his record, when you look at what he's able to do, you look at the highlight reel, you look at his all-round game, like, this guy's a genuine out-and-out superstar on the wing there. He, he might even skip at the club next year from the wing. Mm. Like, that's how highly regarded he is at the Bulldogs. But I think he was a really big miss by Freddie. So, hopefully, you know, for Adokar's sake and from a New South Wales perspective, he's he's selected there next year on the wing. I think he's probably a must-have. What about your favourite player at the moment, Brian? Like, in terms of 2022, your, your favourite player, who who's that got, got the gong for you at the moment? Uh, it's been Pappenhausen for the last couple of years, and I think it still is. I just love watching him play. I think he's exactly the kind of player I like to watch. Um, I am really even more interested in sort of keeping an eye on him, sort of coming back from this injury. Uh, from a physio perspective, really keen to see how that goes and how hard he works and, and follow along with his rehab journey on socials. So Pappenhausen, but if I'm going to go a Dolphins homer pick, there's not a whole lot to get excited about. But <laughs> I think I think I'll go with Isaiah Katoa because he looked so good at the World Cup for a 17 year old. I think he could be anything. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really keen to see how he goes, and I think the ghost of Anthony Milford might not keep him out of the number six uh, jersey for long. Yeah, very true. I've selected. From a Broncos point of view, Selwyn Cobbo, I think just Ooh, yeah. what he delivers week in, week out is just phenomenal. And, and the other one, you know, he's a very polarising player, but Latrell Mitchell is just good for footy. I just think when he's on, I'm watching telly, I'm watching him play, I'm, you know, magic round games. If he's lining up there, I'm getting a skinful under my belt and just enjoying what he brings to the game. I think he's exceptional. Very last, Brian, this is the Golden Magic Sponge for the Player of the Year. So this is our gong for the Player of the Year award. Who did you have for Player of the Year here for the Golden Magic Sponge? Mate, this is it's always a tough one because I think, especially in a team game like footy, like obviously um, Dally M Player of the Year was Nico, right? Uh, like he played in a really, really good Sharks team. My argument for these kind of things is like, even if Nico wasn't playing, the Sharks were still really, really good. Obviously, they didn't have the individual brilliance of Nico there, but they still were a really solid team. Their performance wasn't all that different as a as a side. 
Um, so it, it's one of those things where, like, my argument is that potentially Nico was elevated a little bit by how good the team was around him as well. So that allowed him to be, you know, even better. Uh, I think my true player of the year, because I think he's the true most valuable player, especially to his team. He was a gun, but he was also, without him, his team, were like, they were bad enough with him, but without him, they were an absolute bottom dweller, and that's Benny Hunt. I think, like, without him, the Dragons just probably would have won the spoon for sure, and he was just so good for them this year. Any any attack that they had was through him. He's good in defense. He was obviously fantastic at origin, fantastic international level. So as a true MVP, most valuable player, especially to their, his team, I've gone with Benny Hunt. What about you, mate? Complete agree and Seb Ryan. Great minds think alike on that one. I think Benny like Hunt is, is the man. I I just was blown away with how good he was for the Dragons week in, week out in a, a really disjointed team. And and I thought his three games in Maroon this year were just unbelievable. I think if you took him out of that Queensland team, there's no way they win that series. And I think the same thing applies, like you mentioned, with him and the Dragons team. He's, he's the heartbeat there. His leadership was there. He's just the complete package, isn't he? His kicking game is just immense this year. He's defensively good. And he, he was he was everything, Benny Hart. I, I agree with you there for our player of the year for 2022. So that's the wrap, Ryan. Love it, mate. All right, guys. Uh, that is the Rugby League World Cup uh, injuries wrapped and the off-season update. Uh, look, I don't know if we'll have another sort of, I guess, injury-specific one before Christmas. If there's any sort of big injuries that come out, any big news, we might sort of sit down and do an emergency pod. What we are hoping to do, James, is get a few guys, a few medicos on uh, that potentially you and I can sit down and tag team, interview uh, a few guys who we both know who um, you know have gone on to work in those high levels and those kind of things so hopefully we can tee that up for either December or January and get a few of those going but otherwise look guys leading into next season that's when it all ramps up is kind of January and probably into February once we start to get guys you know reports on guys their injuries how they're going and then fantasy super coach it's all starting to ramp up that's where we'll be of greatest value to all you guys listening, I think, is sort of giving our takes on on those players and where we're heading. Uh, we both did pretty well in uh, Supercoach and Fantasy this year, so looking to repeat it again next year. But, uh, yeah, mate, I, I'm sure you're pretty excited, pretty excited to get back into the Supercoach and footy side of things, hey? Always, Brian, always good fun, always the best time of year when it's football season in full swing. So I can't wait for 2023 to kick off again. Love it, guys. All right, as always, if you like the pod, give us a review, recommend us to a friend, all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, guys, get keen for January, February next year. We'll really start to ramp it up. But otherwise, if we don't speak to you, have a wonderful festive season, all that kind of stuff. And um, we'll hopefully talk to you soon with some interviews. Uh, But otherwise, enjoy and go the Mighty Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.